Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover. I'm not using a pop filter. I'm your host, Randy. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. This episode was recorded on Sunday, May 1st, 2022. Today's episode, I'm going to talk about Linux again. Every once in a while, I go back to Linux. I don't really ever stray away from open source stuff, and that's Linux, so this is uh, suitable. So I'm using a different mic. I've uh, What's the news today first? I've moved back to the basement. You know, it's starting to get warmer out. And I usually move down here with my desk and my mic and, you know, like my, my computer, like my work environment mainly. But I've moved everything down here now. Um, that includes the little couch from the studio room. It's like a little blue couch that just kind of absorbs sound. Also, my drum set, all my mics. And I'm thinking about bringing the sound paneling down here, the studio stuff that I used in the studio room. Because why not? I mean, there's way more room down here. And if I can get it to sound just as good as that room or as damp, uh, dampened, that would be great. And it would just be a lot easier to record music and play with band practice, stuff like that. So I think I'm going to go for it. I mean, it's already been a lot of work to move all this stuff down here. Usually I would set up like a makeshift desk down here, but I moved the entire, my main desk, my big, like, it's like six or seven foot wide desk. It's, it's huge. And it's a deep desk. It's like uh, four foot deep, maybe three and a half, four foot deep. It's pretty. It's pretty big. Um, I'm using a different mic right now. Currently, my SM7B, the one that has a pop filter, you can tell I'm not using one right now, is on my snare drum. I don't have more than one SM7B, but I'm using a cheap MXL. I've used this mic in the early days of the podcast when I first bought a few of these cheap condenser mics to try them out and they sound pretty good. I just need to put a pop filter on it. So if I talk sideways, that's a little bit better. But if I say directly at the mic, it's going to hopefully compress it and not blow your ears out. But yeah, so that's what I'm doing today. It's like a, I don't know, $79 mic. It's pretty cheap or maybe it was $99. It's the MXL 9 or no, 770. It's the cheaper one. There's even cheaper ones than that, but you know, it does a good job. And when you're plugging it into a good board, with good post-processing. It sounds better. Post-processing. So uh, let's get on topic with Linux. So my episode, I'm going to call this is, you know, I'm just going to say we need to use Linux more. <laughs> That's going to be the title. But um, why we all should use Linux. Let's talk about that. And I'm not speaking for you. I'm just trying to give you a, a reason to use it and just, you know, help with it if you're thinking about it, if you're on the fence. So Linux survives while it's being free and other oper- oper- other operating systems can't like, I mean, unless they're open source and have a community of people contributing to it. But with Linux, the source code is accessible. Windows and Mac OS will not, they'll never be open source or maybe they eventually will like an older version just to be like, Hey, here's the code that we were hiding from you for years. But I, I speak of of Linux openly because I'm referring to both the desktop and the server versions. It's open source. If you're curious enough, you can find out what makes it tick. And there's nothing being hidden from you. It's it's honest. So another thing is there's 
there's constant issues with Windows and Mac OS breaking things during their up, upgrade cycles. And I say upgrade, like upgrading major versions. So like Mac OS, I don't know, Catalina to Big Sur, then Monterey or whatever. There are issues. Uh, same thing with Windows. Uh, here's an example. A few years ago, Mac OS dropped 32-bit application support. It's like 2019. Um, during the Catalina upgrade and broke tons of shit. They did. They did. It, it pissed a lot of people off. Mac OS users were pissed. I, I, I know quite a few. So Mac OS Monterey broke a lot of the users' file paths. Uh, that's This is more recent. I've dealt with this in the support industry. Uh, broke a lot of users' file paths in, in applications such as Dropbox and OneDrive. And, and Apple's like, hey, we warned you, you know, blah, blah, blah. It just, I don't know, it's just, they change things and it's kind of shitty sometimes. And it's just like, eh, go fuck yourself. It's kind of the way, the attitude I, the vibe I get from some of these companies. Because they're big corporations, they're trillion dollar companies. But um, Microsoft often breaks things with Windows Update. You know, sometimes it might be an activation issue. Greed, aka greed. Windows can't even fix LTE from disappearing on their LTE-enabled Surface tablets for nearly six years running. I've supported them, hundreds of them. I've dealt with hundreds of them personally. And, and, I, and I, you know, for the most part, it works, but it breaks. It's not resolved. It's an issue that keeps popping up on Surface tablets. Uh, you know, like the Surface Pro LTE, the Surface Go LTE, Surface Go 2, these issues keep appearing it's shitty chipsets it's either the marvel chipset it, it, it could be bad driver writing in windows i don't know it's but it happens and i don't know i'm not going to say things like that don't happen in linux however you don't really have to worry about drivers most of the time in linux if something's going to work the kernel already has it coded in there i guess if you will <laughs> bundled in there and it just you boot it up and you're ready to go with the exception of like NVIDIA drivers, you probably have to install those after the fact because they're not free. They're just written by NVIDIA and, you know, maybe you want to use those. I recommend it because they do work better than the open source drivers, the Novo or however you say it, uh, Linux open source drivers for, for NVIDIA products because NVIDIA is kind of shitty in some ways too. AMD, not so much. They're, they're a little better, but... So that's about things breaking, but you you know, also with open source, you can trust software that's free generally. And if you listen to my last episode, I gave some reasons on why you can't trust Adobe and their greed. And do you think their software is open source? Heck no. Um, you know, there's so much software to try in Linux. There's, there's, there is a lot and it's not maybe your, you know, your Adobe's that you're used to and yeah, you can run Windows in a virtual machine. I don't recommend it. I, re I recommend just running hardware, you know, and I mean, install the operating system on the hardware that it's going to be running on, not in a virtual machine. But if you like to test things out, it's fun for that. But back to the software, though, there's a lot of software to try natively in Linux and almost anything you could think of, you know, so you won't go broke trying and scrapping different installs. You can just try them out because you're not paying for them every time. Maybe you want to try something before you buy it, and you don't want a locked down trial version, uh, you know, a seven day trial of Adobe Acrobat, you know, whatever. But I mean, that's nice of Adobe to give you seven days, I guess. But you know, you could try stuff, and it's not going to make you go broke. I mean, you don't have to work on getting a refund. It's just free in Linux. It's just free. And are there things missing in Linux? Uh, you know, with all this free software, yes. I'm right now. I'm recording on my desktop in Windows. Because Studio One works flawlessly in Windows. It does. Better than Mac OS in my experience. But 
I, I really don't have a choice. I can I could go, you know, run Reaper or some other program in Linux, but Studio One is made by Personas, and I can't blame Personas for not developing for Linux. They don't have a huge crowd of people just like me and maybe I don't know a few hundred other guys I don't know how many it is maybe there's a few thousand <laughs> that want it it's just not going to make sense which I can't blame them I love Persona's hardware so it's my own choice to stick with them and keep using it I think it's fantastic hardware and the Studio One software written for Windows and Mac OS is great so it's kind of worth it to still have a Windows machine because you got to keep yourself educated too right I mean maybe you want to use Windows to and that's the cool thing with windows you can have it on a machine and you can also have linux on that same machine and you can dual boot another reason to use linux so if your windows machine takes a crap and it's not acting right you can boot up into linux and get your job done so that's kind of cool um but yeah i'm kind of in a hard place here Let me my uh, chair i'm in a hard position where i can't just go all out and go into linux i can't i have to be honest but I do prefer it overall as an operating system. I do. I think it's just, it's better. It respects your privacy. You don't have to worry about being spied on. I mean, on the internet, you can get spied on anywhere, but the operating system itself, the metrics, it's, it's honest. So what else can we cover on this? What else can I give you? I got some notes here. You know, package management. Sorry about the peas, man. But Package management is superior on Linux, in my opinion. In Windows, you have the installer, sure, but then you also have to use a registry if something goes wrong or maybe you want to troubleshoot it. And registry can become bloated and corrupted. And don't piss off the registry. In Linux, you don't have to worry about a registry. And in macOS, you don't either, just by design, the Unix-based file system. And But back to the registry, if you get in the registry, you can get... You can get into some trouble. You have to be careful. <laughs> you don't want to break things. And it warns you in Windows. It's like, you know, hey, you can break stuff, dummy. In Linux, you don't have that. In Mac OS, it's not as bad. Like I just said, it's, you know, there's library and preference folders, but the software install and uninstall process still takes me much more time in Mac OS and Windows than it does in Linux. The It's just the way the package management works in Linux, whether you're going to use the command line or a graphical user interface, is faster. And it just retrieves the package for you. It installs it. There's nothing to clean up. There's no setup files to delete. They're gone. Everything's clean. You don't have a mess on your desktop or in your downloads folder. Unless you're downloading the package to extract, which you can still just delete that like you would in Windows. But no registry to report to. It's great. I never have registry problems in Linux. I never have. Um, you know, also, the fake Windows virus detected messages that pop up in the browser don't even apply to you. And how many times I've seen these in the support industry over the last couple of decades, well, at least decade, I would say, probably 15 years. I don't know, Vista. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming up to that time, I guess. But how many times you see this Windows virus detected? Call Microsoft. Well, if, if you think for a half a second and you're running Linux, you're like, wait, I'm not even running Microsoft. Well, novice computer users will automatically be like, oh my gosh, do I call this number? I, I got a virus. It says I have a virus. Well, who said you have a virus? Well, it's the internet pop-up window. Why would that website be telling me I have a virus? Well, most people that are new to computers won't recognize that it's a website. They'll just think that's a window popping up on their screen. That's how they see it. And they're not really wrong. It's a window. And, you know, you get a little bit of panic, but then when you help them out and walk them along and show them that it's a browser notification, they're okay. But if you're running Windows, it's going to make the person more skeptical. Or if you're running Linux, it's going to make the person that's 
seeing the message maybe a little quicker to say, hey, this this can't make this doesn't make any sense. I'm not even running Windows. I'm running Linux. So yeah, kind of a silly reason, but it's still accurate. So yeah, like I mentioned earlier a little bit is that that there's no drivers to install for the most part aside from NVIDIA. And Linux is the true just works if you want it to, I think. You know, that's how that's how I think of it. If, and when I mean it just works, when you boot up into your USB or your installer for Linux, those things are already working on the USB, like your Wi-Fi generally, if they're going to work. And, you, you know, your network card, your Bluetooth, those things are just working right away. They're already, they light up and they just go. And that's a big one for me. That's a huge time saver. Any computer I wipe the hard drive of and reinstall Windows, I have to like really tweak it to get it working properly. Just get all the drivers, install Dell command update or Lenovo system update, whatever whatever application can retrieve drivers on your particular model. And install all those drivers. Takes a quite a few reboots. If there's any firmware updates, got to install that. Reboot again. <laughs> uh, sometimes audio drivers take two reboots to have the latest audio driver. Uh, I believe it's Realtek audio drivers. None of that in Linux. It's one update when you boot into this into the system. Reboot. Everything's updated, including your kernel, your drivers. Well, it's in your kernel. All your software. And Windows does not do that. Does and Mac does not just go around updating all the software on your computer. That's another thing that Linux can do. Just off the top of my head. And Linux is easier to run or. <laughs> Yeah, it is, I guess, but it's easier to install than Windows and much easier than Mac OS, in my opinion, because, you know, if you want to roll back to an earlier version of Mac OS, if you don't have a time machine backup or, you know, you might be going through heck to do it. You might be making some kind of USB boot disk, downloading the ISO from the friggin' uh, the image from the um, App Store, and then writing that to disk. Oh, my God, it takes forever. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it quite a few times, and it sucks. And rolling back in Windows isn't super bad, to be fair, but it still at times takes a long time. It's, it, Linux can still do it faster, in my in my experience. You know, I'm thinking of like Pop OS and Mint OS, uh, Linux Mint, super easy and super fast to update. Uh, we're getting here. We're getting close to the end, but another reason is that you can try Linux, and I mean actually try, literally. Uh, in 2022, we still don't have a live USB environment for both macOS and Windows. And it's because they expect to lock you in, probably, as a customer, and don't care about your freedom. With Linux, you can literally try the entire Linux distribution off of a USB drive and decide then if you would like to proceed in installing it on your computer's storage for full utilization. That was the big sell for me, because Linux has been on a live CD, you know, USB, for I don't know, almost a couple decades, at least probably 15 years. And, you know, Slack Linux or whatever. Was it Slackware? What was it called? I think it was called Slackware and Canonix or all these different distributions I used to try in like 2006 or whatever. But you can't go wrong. So you can then just give it a shot and see if you like it. And if you don't want to install it, you can just go back and boot up Windows. You're not going to hurt anything on your computer because you were running off a USB drive. Now, how do you do all that? If you've never done this before, I'm not going to make a guide right now because there's a million out there that are probably going to be better than the one I just throw together. But here is my recommendation to get started on trying multiple distributions because I think it's good to distro hop, if you will, in the beginning. I don't know if it's a good thing later on because I do that now and I tend to never stick with a distribution, which I kind of want to do. But if you're a new Linux user or 
just thinking about trying different distributions, here's what I recommend because it's worked well for me. Get a USB stick, perhaps 32 gigabytes in size or larger. They're extremely affordable as of this writing. One of my colleagues bought a 256 gigabyte thumb drive. I don't know if it was $39, but my jaw almost dropped. I'm like, oh, well, what? That's amazing. I mean, you can fit a lot of Linux distributions on something that large. So once you have your USB stick, go to the Ventoy site. That's V-E-N-T-O-Y. I'll post the link in the description like I always do. And Ventoy, I discovered this one a couple years ago. I cannot live with using a USB drive without it. It makes it very easy to make a bootable USB disk that you can put tons of ISOs on or images or I think even VHDs like virtual uh, images and select them from a menu during boot time. This was a pain in the ass to do before Ventoy. I, I, I swear, it was so it was so difficult. Um, if you follow Ventoy's guide and try it out, it, it's it's so easy. It's ridiculous. It's just this little installer that runs. It extracts the software to your USB drive. Barely takes up any space, and then you just have like a little folder, or just where you can just throw all your ISOs, or just right on the the root of the drive that it makes for you. I guess you just throw all the ISOs on that disk. You could drag and drop them, or copy and paste them. And I'm talking like it's, the only limitation is really how much space your thumb drive has. You can put like 10, 15 ISOs on there. And then, you know, that could be your little PC toolkit. You can go around to, you know, if you wanted to fix a computer and boot into Linux and troubleshoot their Windows file system, you could do that. And then, you know, and boot into any USB of the, or into any ISO of the distribution that their computer can run. So maybe their computer is old and, you know, it can't run the latest Linux Mint Cinnamon desktop environment. Maybe it's an older one and it needs to run, oh God, what is the old, like XFCE or LXDE or whatever, one of these lighter Linux um, desktop environments. Um, you know, it could, it, could, it could run that. And then you could just boot the, the lower spec required ISO to run on their machine. And then maybe when they see it, they might be like, hey, it looks just kind of like Windows and it does everything I've, I need to do. You want to just install that on my machine? Sure. Here you go. Buy Windows. You know, and now that you have a multi-boot USB, though, you can just add those ISOs as you want. You can delete the ones that you don't like that you've tried. Just scrap them. And then the, the Ventoy site will show you how to place them on the disk. I, you know, just drag and drop or copy and paste like I mentioned. But they show you, too, and they have a really good guide. That's how I learned it. And you just download all the distributions you like and go crazy. So once you boot up that Ventoy USB drive, you put it in your computer, you probably have to turn off safe boot if your computer is going to block you from booting off a USB. And then you select from the menu of any of the distributions you've downloaded. And yes, Ventoy even supports Windows ISOs. So you can also have Windows on there if you need to install Windows for somebody that you're helping troubleshoot their computer. Maybe they need a fresh reinstall. I find myself doing that in Windows a lot because I don't know if maybe I got something that was malicious on my home computer. I don't know for sure. Well, just to be safe, I'm going to wipe it. And I don't care what anybody says about like, oh yeah, you can, you know, here's a safe way to clean the registry and clean. I don't clean. You wipe the computer. You have backups of your data. You wipe the computer. That's the only way you will certainly get rid of a virus. And this is old school. Yes. Yeah. Do I want to spend time configuring all my apps again? I don't care. Like most of the stuff I do is in the browser and it's backed up in the cloud. So I have a Ventoy USB disk that has, I don't know, 21H1 Windows 10 version. I format the damn computer, I erase everything on it, I reinstall Windows, check for updates, all that fun stuff, install all the software again, 
I don't do backups of the software itself. I just have the data backed up, okay? And that's what I recommend. Just, you know, back up your data in one of your cloud services if you have one, I guess, or locally in sync thing like I do. But, you know, that's, that's, I'm getting sidetracked with this a little bit, but once you boot off the USB drive, it can be Windows and you can install the Windows, you know, operating system. You can't test run it like you can Linux, though. You're just going to boot it up and decide if you want to wipe it out, wipe out your hard drive and install Windows. But with Linux, the OS will boot up off the USB drive when you select it. And then you can test drive it all you want. And then if you're like, if you're done with it and you're like, you know, I want another day. I don't want to, maybe I'll mess with it tomorrow. Shut down the computer, pull out the USB drive, come back tomorrow, plug it back in if you want and try it out again. Try out a different one. And, you know, you could see like, oh, well, it seems like everything runs really fast. Everything runs well. The internet is smooth. It's fast. It's easier than Windows. There's less bullshit popping up on my screen asking me if I want to buy this. Candy Crush, whatever. Windows App Store, blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. You know, you don't need to install that stuff. But you can try anything you want. You can just customize it the way you want. And I think it's great. Windows cannot do this, you know, all this stuff without first booting up into the environment, installing it, not the environment, the installer, booting to the installer, installing it, wiping your drive, booting into Windows, waiting for it to do its authentication check to make sure you paid for it. And then you got to go install all the drivers, the firmware, the software, um, everything. It takes longer. So that's. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to get mad. I'm, I'm so angry. I'm not really angry, but I um I just can't think of any more reasons to give that would, you know, make you want to try Linux than I already have. I think I've given some good reasons. So I would like to thank you for putting time aside to listen to the podcast. Follow our podcast. If you're a new listener to the Manly Hanley podcast, we would love to hear from you. Visit our website. That's randyhanley.com. Leave a comment. I haven't posted on there since February, but I'm going to try to do that more. And send me an email with any questions or comments. You can follow Randrums on Twitter. Apparently that place is going to have some more freedom again, so that's pretty cool. Not that I've ever been silenced. I don't see anything crazy on there, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens with Twitter. So uh, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend.